we are going to, again, uh, immerse ourselves in the uh, ancient words uh, here handed down to us. Uh, a book not written specifically to us. Uh, we're going to read from, again, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Uh, but it was, as all of it was, written for us. All of this was written so that we may learn from it and grow in it, to be strengthened in it, to understand uh, the will of our God, the, the character of our God, the purpose of our God, the sovereignty of our God, and our response to Him. So we're again looking at, uh, in this uh, time of understanding uh, Paul's letter to the church, uh, what it is for us to be in Christ to have our identity in Him. And so we're going to look this morning again um, at this uh, powerful section here um, called the armor of God. We are going to read that section again this morning as we now take up another piece of that armor to see where Paul is leading us and how this word here, these ancient words, will direct our hearts. Reading from Ephesians 6 again, uh, beginning at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. But we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Uh, this is the Word of God for us again today that we can consider uh, and understand uh, why this is here. Why is it preserved for us? Uh, that's what we sang about. These, these holy words that were preserved from long ago, they have a purpose for us. And we're here again today uh, to figure out what these words are uh, supposed to speak to us. Uh, how, how important is faith. Uh, if, you would, if you would look up uh, faith, the word faith uh, in Scripture, you will see it come up a lot of times. Uh, not so much in the way that we're thinking of it from the Old Testament. It's actually uh, rather rare. It talks about faithfulness. It is, it is the, the posture of God's people. Or, or it is the character of God that's being spoken about. 
Faith is a major topic uh, in the New Testament as it, as it builds off of what the Old Testament has been saying about uh, where that faith originates and lies and, and remains. Uh, it's just riddled throughout the New Testament. And so Paul here is, is getting at uh, this idea of a, a, a different piece of armor He says, uh, in every circumstance, take up the shield of faith. Now again, Paul likely has in mind uh, what he sees around him in his day. As we looked at uh, shoes from from last time and how they were not uh, something like this. It was more of a a sandal that was strapped uh, way up onto the calf. So there was no chance of it coming off. Um, that's what he would see in the Roman soldiers that were uh, constantly dragging him off into prison, standing guard over him. Today, he says, take up the shield of faith. Uh, we, have, we have movies and, and ideas in our minds. There's, there's the popular movies of our day uh, where people have a, a shield and it's a, a small, round, uh, circular shield made of, made of metal. Paul here is talking about one much larger than that. Uh, this would be likely a two foot by four foot, so from the floor up and about this wide. Uh, I only had one piece of flimsy wood uh, to give an illustration of that. And I didn't take it with me, but if I would hold a two foot by four foot piece of wood in front of me, it would cover uh, from my nose to below my knees. Uh, some of you you would disappear behind it almost. But uh, for me, it's still sufficient to cover the, the main uh, part of who I am. If I held it up to my nose, it would still cover below my knees and it would cover from shoulder to shoulder. I am shielded from almost everything. And of course, uh, we're going to talk about a helmet next. So there is another layer of protection even above the shield that Paul will talk about. But he talks about this shield uh, that in, in very practical ways covers the entirety of who you are. Uh, it was, it was uh, in their case, uh, very often a wooden shield um, which could be a problem. Especially when it's a shield that's meant to extinguish fiery darts or arrows coming from the enemy. How good is a wooden shield when your, when your shield is hit with a flaming arrow. It will stop the arrow, but eventually you will have to drop that shield. That's what the enemy is hoping for. That your shield will catch on fire and you will have to abandon it. This, though, that Paul is talking about was likely a leather-wrapped shield. So leather's not going to burn as quickly, but the Roman soldier in times of battle would also take that and drench that leather covering in water, so it could extinguish the flaming darts of the enemy. As soon as it hits that wet leather, it would eventually put that flame out, and so your shield is still intact. This is is the kind of shield that Paul is likely talking about. It was common in his day. We know of shields back in the Old Testament where 
uh, Goliath's shield was was just huge. Even even King uh, uh, Saul's shield was was so big, uh, David couldn't hardly do anything with it. Uh, it was a big metal shield. Uh, we know of of the shields that were uh, being used before. Uh, one of the one of the things about these shields that the Roman sh- soldiers would have um, is that they when you would stand uh, shoulder to shoulder with them and everybody's holding it up, there is a wall that you have just created. Uh, and any of the flaming darts from the enemy can't even penetrate into uh, your regiment uh, because you are almost interlocking those, those shields together. And so it's just a, a, a wall of protection. There would also be those that would would hold those shields overhead. So nothing comes in from the top either. So the, the shield was also particularly helpful when they were used in conjunction with other soldiers with you. And your level of protection uh, increases because the, they can't get at you from the side because there's another one standing with you. They can't come in from the top because there are those holding theirs overhead as well. The shield that Paul is talking about is a very useful shield in the physical sense. But he's talking about here a shield of faith. Again, Paul is bringing into this armor of God because it is not a physical battle. Praise God, we don't have to go around with a a waterlogged two-foot-by-four-foot wooden shield wrapped in leather to protect ourselves. Uh, We actually have something... Better than that, because Paul says this is a, a shield of faith. Uh, but but what, what is he talking about? Uh, what, what is faith? What, what faith is he talking about? And why is it important? Uh, the, the Baker uh, Bible Dictionary uh, speaks of faith this way. Faith is uh, being completely and steadfastly in God. Faith is being, uh, they, they use the word holy, and I, I will bring that back in. It is to be holy, completely, W-H-O, holy and steadfastly in God. That is... A, a starting uh, understanding of faith at, at the dictionary level. Uh, it is at the heart of Christianity. Uh, at, at its core, it is to trust in God. It is also to trust in the Word of God. But faith that, that Paul is talking about where, where it has its core is, is also uh, one that is um, uh, an active faith. Uh, so, much, so much of uh, Scripture uh, obviously talks about uh, faith and shield and the purpose of the, the combination of that idea. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, Every word of God... Uh, 
faith being trusting in the word of God. Every word, uh, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Uh, that is a level of trust that we would have in what God's word says. Uh, you probably know uh, the biblical short definition of faith, which comes from the first verse of Hebrews 11. Faith is being sure of, certain of what we hope for. The conviction of things not seen. Uh, Another, another Bible dictionary said uh, um, faith, faith is this trust in something that you cannot tangibly prove. Can you tangibly point me to God? That's where the scientific community says there can't be one because you can't show him, which is a faulty argument on so many levels, and a third grader could call them out on that. Uh, but there is something about faith that is uh, beyond what we can see. Uh, beyond what we uh, have absolute certainty in. Uh, faith, is, faith is not, um, uh, we, we talk about a leap of faith. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm fortunate to be standing here before you this morning because I was, I was thinking about this during the week and as that, I was, I was going to come up the stairway here uh, into the sanctuary from this entrance. I was thinking about this idea of leap of faith. Um, and instead of jumping down, I thought, because you could, I guess you could fall either way, but I thought, I wonder if I could jump up and take a leap of faith up. Uh, if you know the stairway here, the first set of stairs is three. And I jumped up from a dead stand, three steps. I made it. The next set was four. I didn't make it. Uh, I didn't crack my head open. I didn't break my leg. Uh, my body didn't like me so much for a few hours after that. I didn't make it. That was a leap of faith. And I was not confident that I was going to make it. That's not the faith. Paul is talking about, where you're just not sure. If you remember the old uh, motorcycle daredevil, Evil Knievel, um, he would take a leap of faith. He would calculate all of his circumstances out and get on his motorcycle and try to uh, soar through the air over 15 buses or whatever it was. And he did all kinds of things. And he broke every bone in his body because his leap of faith often failed him. That's not the faith that Paul is talking about. Uh, it is the assurance and the conviction. Now, now he had, even evil had uh, a level of conviction, but he couldn't control all the variables, and so he would often fail. Faith is um, this deep conviction in God himself and in the, the truthfulness of the Word of God. But it also um, uh, has this clear implication, uh, faith is an obedience as well. 
faith, faith is just not something that you hold in your head or hold in your heart. It is something that you work out in your lives. Uh, God, God would give different opportunities for people to exercise their faith. Uh, there are all kinds of uh, examples that uh, when we talk about faith in the Old Testament, the word is not often used. But, but if you've ever missed the fact that these were people of faith, uh, you should keep going with the reading plan uh, because we're going to hear about these people that exercise great faith. Uh, Noah. Noah would build this uh, gigantic ship where there is no water and suffer ridicule from everybody around him because he believed, had faith in what God had said, and he acted on it. Where would the world be, hypothetically, and they don't exist in our real world, where would the world be, hypothetically, if Noah had faith in his head that God was going to save his people, but didn't act and build the ark? Perish with the rest. Noah's faith was faith in action. Uh, We marvel at Abraham's faith, don't we? He finally gets his son, the son that God has promised, and God says, now go and sacrifice him. But what did God promise Abraham? I will build from you and your descendants, and specifically this one, the son of the promise, I will build into a multitude of nations. Now go and kill him. And so, Moses, or, so Abraham contemplated for weeks and weeks on whether or not he... No, that's right. Uh, he got up early the next morning and went out and acted in faith. And even as he was drawing the knife on his son, he knew that if he, if he was going to carry through with this, and God did not somehow intervene, God would still somehow, through Isaac, build his kingdom. He believed that. Hebrews reminds us of that. You hear of, you hear of Ruth in her circumstances uh, where she is uh, in this place of, of influence, and, and oddly so. But the people of Israel are about to be exterminated. And, and even as uh, favored by the king, Ruth goes, Esther. I had, I had Ruth and I'm, I'm going in two different directions here. So Esther, uh, with the queen, uh, Ruth, Ruth took steps of, of following her, her mother-in-law because she knew that the God of uh, the people there uh, was going to help her as well. Uh, Esther stands uh, in this place of great influence where the people of Israel are about to be exterminated and she dares to go into the presence of the king. Now, you and I might think, well, if, if they have that relationship, why, is, why would she even fear? Um, that's not the society uh, that uh, we would understand it. Uh, she said, I'm, I'm going to approach the king. And if I die, I die. 
But she, she went in faith knowing that at, for such a time as that, God had her in a place where she was going to uh, be a positive influence for the people. But she risked her life to do it. She believed in her mind one thing, and she acted with her, uh, her very self to do what she believed. Uh, Daniel, um, about to be fed to the lions because he would not bow in prayer to some other God. He knew in his mind what God had said. But his faith said, I am not going against what I believe either, and I will continue to physically bow in prayer to my God. And it would put his life at risk. His, his three friends as well, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. Uh, they were not going to give tribute to the statue either. Not going to do it. And our God is able to save us. That was the confidence that they had. But they did not change their mind when the fiery furnace was being stoked. Same kind of attitude as Esther. If we die, we die. It does not change what we believe to be what we hold on as our faith. Uh, there's, there's Elijah who stands toe-to-toe against the prophets of Baal. Uh, you have David and Goliath. David who fights this spiritual battle. He knows that God has said that he would prevail over his enemies. And so with his little bitty slingshot, his faith goes into action and he stands there with his conviction and he prevails by faith. Gideon with a small army, uh, Joshua and Caleb, as they come back after being sent out as spies into the land of Canaan, they are the only two that acted in faith. They acted in faith because they were ready to go into the land against the giants that they saw there, the ones that were just too big and too numerous and too powerful. We can do it. Why? Because God said so. God had been promising that. The stories just keep going on and on and on throughout the Old Testament. Uh, it is a faith that gets put into action. When we looked at uh, James uh, a number of years ago already, uh, James said in James 2, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but doesn't have works, if he doesn't put his faith into action? Can that kind of a faith save you? can't. The faith that Paul is talking about here, the same one that James is talking about, is the faith that we put into action. It isn't something we hold in our our minds, in our hearts, as some uh, abstract thought that, boy, if we could just keep saying over and over in our our minds, or even out loud, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith, uh, and yet when the time to exercise that faith comes, we don't. What is that faith then? when everything seems to come against you and challenges your faith and you don't exercise it, what was the faith that you and I might profess? Scripture says, "My, My righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But, it goes on to say, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. You know where that comes from? The Bible, right. Beat you to it. You know where that comes from? 
Hebrews 10, just before Hebrews 11, verse 1. They are the two verses that precede this great testimony of what faith is. This active faith. My righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back from that proclamation of faith, God says my soul has no pleasure in him. It is not something that we just hang on to but don't use. It's not something that we say that we have and can't show. But the writer of Hebrews says we're we're not of those that shrink back and are destroyed because that would be the case. A faith that you cannot put in action, a faith that has no substance to it, would only be a faith that would end up getting you destroyed. But we are those who have faith, we use faith, and we preserve our souls. So why, why is this faith so important? If, if that's what faith is, if, if faith is uh, living out our trust in God, not just, not just claiming belief, not just saying we have it, not just talking about our faith, but actually putting it into practice, if, if that's the faith, why is it so important? Why, why does Paul specifically talk about this shield of faith? It isn't to make you comfortable in your thinking. I have faith, so if I just rest in that, I'm fine. Too many people get to the place where faith is what they believe they have so that God will just take care of it and I don't need to do anything. Noah didn't think that way. Abraham didn't think that way. Moses didn't think that way. Caleb, Joshua, Ruth, Esther, all of them, they didn't think that way. They knew that faith meant putting what I believe into action because I trust in the very person of God and the very Word of God. Because the enemy is going to continue his attacks. You and I need faith to stand against the enemy so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. And at the end of it all, you have not been knocked off your rock. Faith is very important. Uh, The enemy uh, will and has called into question uh, the covenant faithfulness of God. Uh, That's why, as God is making this great covenant with Abram, uh, he says, fear not, Abram, I am your shield your reward will be very great. Abram had to have that level of faith in his God going into what God had promised because it was going to be challenged. Uh, There will be times where we deal with doubt in our lives. Where the word word of God uh, and the character of God will be challenged. There will be that voice on our shoulder that whispers, Did God really say? Did God say? The one thing that is predictable about the enemy 
is he uses the same thing over and over. Now, he will use it differently in your life than he will in your life. But he's going to say to you, did God really say that? When you are being attacked by the enemy, he will challenge the word of God as he did with our Savior. Tried to use, this is, this is nearly the stupidity of the enemy, if I can say it so boldly. He's challenged the word of God with the word of God. What kind of fool does that? The one who is the very word of God was being challenged with the very word of God as if um, the enemy could have mastery over either, either, either one of those ideas uh, and truths of what those mean. Uh, faith will be necessary for us when doubt comes. When the enemy says, you're not good enough for what God wants you to do. You're not smart enough to be able to go head to head against those kinds of things. You're too old. You're too young. And he's going to continue to make you doubt. God can't use a sinner like me, you. He knows your past and he will use it against you to cause you to doubt whether or not God could continue to work out his purposes. If you try to do what God wants you to do, you'll fail is what the enemy would use against you and create doubt in you. Uh, Faith is, uh, again, critical when temptations to sin comes. Because my flesh and your flesh is weak. We are so prone to give in to temptation because in ourselves, in our own strength, uh, we could hardly resist. Maybe for a few moments at times. But the devil is persistent. And he will continue to challenge your weakness. Whether that's uh, uh, temptation for uh, stealing or lying, cheating, sexual sins, all kinds of different things. Maybe, Maybe it's just that innocent one like gossip or maybe the step up from their slander where people don't really see those things. And you're going to need faith in what God's Word says at those times. And they come up at every age. Uh, the oldest among us will still have to deal with temptations to sin and need faith to conquer it. The youngest of us has a life ahead of us of temptations and it's going to need faith. Uh, Faith will be critical when we're tempted to rebel. I know what the Word of God says, but he doesn't understand my circumstance. Or if he was so good, then he should have done that, so I'm going to. And we rebel against God. And it would take faith to overcome that. 
That idea of, I know what the Word of God says, but... And then somehow, uh, outside of faith, we will excuse ourselves into rebelling directly against the Word of God. It happens all the time around us, and it happens in our own lives as well. We know what the Word of God says, but... And we will make excuses. And we will come up with a list of things that, that doesn't apply instead of working it out in faith. Faith will be a shield against your fear. Uh, there is within us uh, an overwhelming sense of fear, which is why Scripture says repeatedly, um, likely the most often commanded thing in Scripture, do not fear, do not be afraid. There's good reason for that. We have a faith that can endure all kinds of fear, every level of fear. And Paul, Paul uh, answers another question as well. Uh, and, and there are so many uh, ways in which we need to put our faith in action. But he also addresses the when to do it. When life gets extremely difficult, it's time to exercise your faith. That's not what he said. That is true. But that isn't what he said. In all circumstances, uh, our faith ought to come into every decision we make. Uh, we should so be so rooted in our faith that we make decisions based on that faith without even having to think. There will be times when our faith comes into question and we're going to need to think it through. We will need to uh, study again the Word of God and let uh, the Word of God direct our faith at that moment in every circumstance. Or is faith only uh, for times of disaster? That seems to be the way the world deals with it. Uh, when, when 9-11 happens, all of a sudden there are people of faith. Do they exist anymore? When When... Everything about your own life seems to be crumbling around you. Do you hold on to your faith? Or do you let it go because it seems as if your faith has failed you? Or, or maybe we should say it this way, the object of our faith, because that's the, that's the substance of faith. It isn't, it isn't what you believe, it's who you believe. You believe in the God of the Old Testament and His Son, Jesus Christ, in the New Testament as, as equally God and standing for the same purpose. My faith is in Him. Your faith should be in Christ, in God the Father, in the working in the power of the Holy Spirit in us. It is that faith in that makes it so important. There is that a distinct difference and so we, we use our faith constantly. Uh, we need it when we're young to build a track record of faith. God, God graciously, uh, and, I, and I, I hope you, you trust this to be true, um, from what you would read in Scripture, God graciously gives us opportunities to prove our faith. He did that 
with Noah. He did that with Abraham. He did that with all those and countless others in Scripture and, and since then, people that would, that would exercise faith. We need it uh, in every circumstance. And we need it when we're old. Uh, to be able to remind ourselves of how faithful He has been for the last 40 years, 70 years, 90 years, so that as you face the next trial, whatever that may be, you will stand firm in your faith with that shield protecting you. I've been, I've been reading, and some of you know this, I've been reading um, stories. Uh, the book is called When Faith is Forbidden. Because this happens uh, all around the world. Christian faith is forbidden. You know why? The enemy knows its power. And so in places where that enemy has um, some level of uh, control over the people, uh, he makes it impossible, it would seem. Uh, it would seem to be impossible to keep your faith. Uh, but this is a book that speaks differently of, of what that faith looks like uh, in opposition to, to, the, to the enemy that says, you may not have faith here. I wanted to read uh, another thing. This is, uh, this is also uh, a book, it's a devotional book put out by Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, I just read this last night. Uh, a short a short devotion. Tell him, Timothy, please, shouted Mura, his wife, pleading with her husband, tell the governor where the scriptures are hidden and be free. I cannot bear to watch any more of this. Timothy and Mara, residents of the Roman province of Muratunia, have been married only a few short weeks before their arrest. His wife had watched in horror as soldiers put out her husband's eyes with hot irons, trying to break his will. Now hanging upside down with a weight around his neck on the orders of the Roman governor, Timothy waited for his gag to be removed. The fear he initially felt at his arrest had been replaced with a sense of divine calm. Instead of renouncing his faith and disclosing the location of his church's copies of the Scriptures, as the soldiers expected, as he hangs upside down with a weight around his neck and a gag in his mouth, and they expect that when they pull it out, he's going to finally tell them. Timothy scolded his young wife and said, Don't let your love for me come before your love for Christ. affirming his willingness and determination to die for a Savior. Seeing her husband's courage, Murrah's own resolve was strengthened. The Roman soldier, already at rage at Timothy's refusal, set out to break Murrah's newfound courage. He sentenced her to the hardest tortures of the Roman world, yet she would not break. She also refused to deny Christ. After each had endured unspeakable suffering, Timothy and Mura were crucified side by side. And their faith, that shield of faith, protected them. Maybe it doesn't seem like that to you. 
But the reward for their faith was far better than anything that would have been relieved from them in their suffering if they would have just renounced that and, and given up the location of the Bibles that they were holding on to for their congregation. Their faith, that shield, protected them from the enemy. They were not going to give in. And they were rewarded, no doubt, for that. Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. That's why James says, Submit yourselves to God, therefore. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Faith is a powerful weapon of defense. When the enemy shoots his flaming darts at you. And when we use that, going back to the Roman soldier, when we use that faith in conjunction with each other, now, now you don't stand there by yourself with your own shield. I'll stand there with you. I'll use my shield of faith to protect you as well. And if he starts attacking from the top, I'll put my shield up to, to block you as well. When we use our faith in this, in this sense of, of, of a corporate faith, where we all understand what faith in Jesus Christ is, and we stand shoulder to shoulder in the fight against the enemy, we will prevail. We are going to, repay, to prevail over the enemy. And the enemy is going to have to retreat. That is our promise. That is the conviction. That is the faith that we hold on to. And brothers and sisters, it is always the right time to put that faith in action. He's about to call you at some, at some point into a step of faith, a, an action of faith where you put that, that faith in His Word into action. He has done it in the past. He will continue to give you more opportunities to do that so that you're not worn out by exercising it. You are strengthened by using that shield of faith. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank You that You have been our shield by giving us uh, this, this shield of faith the very thing that protects our whole being, no matter which way the enemy would try to attack, our faith is able to overwhelm him and to defeat him because of the object of our faith, a faith that only needs to be as small as your word says, as small as a mustard seed because it's in the right place. So help us, Father, to be a courageous in our faith to, to live out our faith boldly and confidently, securely, being shielded uh, from everything that could do us harm. And may we be examples of faith to those uh, that need to, to see what that shield of faith is. So grant us courage as we live out and act out our faith in the, the ancient of days uh, and that word that is what will stand uh, throughout uh, this time and beyond, the Word of God that, that it will exist uh, when eternity begins. 
So we, we thank you, Father, for the truthfulness of your word, that shield of faith that we have. Uh, may, we, may we be able to give uh, evidence of our confident assurance in it as we step out each day in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.